We're in the middle of a series on the Sermon on the Mount, but last week in my devotions, I've, I've shared with you, I, read, I try to read one, uh, one section of each of the five major parts of the Bible every day. And I was in the Gospel passage, and I was in Luke. And I got to Luke 5, and I was reading the beginning part, or the middle of Luke 5, and, and I felt like God said to me, you need to preach on this passage. So whether that's for you, or for just for me, or whatever, um, we're going we're gonna to look at a passage um, in Luke today. I know that many of us feel powerless with everything that's going on around us. And, and a lot of different things come to our mind when we think about power. When I say the word power, what comes to your mind? Uh, category 5 hurricane, a tsunami, maybe a volcanic explosion. Maybe it's the defensive line of the Green Bay Packers. I know, Packers, Seahawks are doing so well today. But Packers, you know, you guys are on the track. I, I'm, we, we root for the Packers, by the way. Maybe it's a pitcher's 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Or maybe when I say power, you picture a 1957 Thunderbird with a 427-cubic-inch four-speed Hemi. That'd be, that'd be Byron thinking of those kinds of things. Or an F-16 fighter jet on a bomb run. Or maybe when I say power, you think about economic power with huge corporations with billions of dollars in reserves that swallow up smaller companies. Power, maybe you think of a political power. Maybe you think of electricity or hydropower, nuclear power. Maybe you think of power bars or power drinks or energy-yielding foods that give us physical power. Or maybe when I say the word power, you think about personal empowerment, how to empower oneself to take control of our lives. Well, today we're going to talk about power. I know we feel powerless in many, many circumstances today, and we're going to talk about power. Not the power of natural disaster, economic power, not political power, horsepower, hydropower, jet power, pitching, or packer power, but a different kind of power. It's healing, healing power. Today we're going to look at PowerPoints, PowerPoints. We're going to look at a very unusual and interesting story in the life of Jesus that we find in the book of Luke. It's Luke 5. It's a passage that jumped out at me this last week. Luke 5, and we're going to start with verse 17. If you want to find, uh, find it, it's on page 836 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. It'll also be on the projection as well. Luke 5 starting with verse 17. One day, as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law, he had come from every, who had come from every village of, of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some of the men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
Jesus knew that they were thinking what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. The setting of this narrative, this story, was Jesus' own hometown, Capernaum. And he was teaching and since Jesus had already had conflicts, if you read the first part of Luke, he had already had conflicts with the Jewish establishment, the leaders, the Pharisees, scribes, and teachers. They were there to check him out. It says in verse 17, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. They had come from all over the area to observe him and to listen to his words. Believe me, they were not there for moral support. They were examining him. This guy was radical in his teaching. What was he teaching? The location was, it says, in a house. It was a house probably, perhaps Jesus' house or maybe Peter's house. Houses back then were uh, like a square house with a covered courtyard. Likely had steps on the outside that were leading to the roof. So what happened and how relevant is this story about power today? Six points of power. Six points of power. Number one, power is present with Jesus. Power is present with Jesus. It says, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Now, this does not mean that Jesus' power was intermittent. It was here one moment and gone the next. If, if you're like, like Judy and me, we lived in a town in, in Tacoma, Washington, and it was an older part of town, and we had power poles and all the power poles that went through these huge oak trees. And whenever we had a windstorm, it was very predictable. One of those trees or one huge branch was going to come down on the power poles, and our power would go out, boom. Or that was one way the power went out. The other thing would happen would be squirrels. Squirrels were constantly getting fried shorting out the power transformer. So you, you'd be sitting in the house and all you hear, you hear, you hear, boom! Power goes out. We go, another squirrel. You know, it's one of those. And it usually took a little bit for them to get it back on. But that, that was intermittent power. And we do experience intermittent power. But this does not mean intermittent power. Literally, if you read this literally, it says, then the power of the Lord for the healing as to him, Jesus. It's, it's really neat Greek, very awkward English. Okay, that's what it is. And it means, what it means basically is that Jesus had the power of God to heal. Okay, very simple. Jesus had the power of God to heal. Wherever Jesus is, there's power to heal. There's power to heal. Again, it's a very stru- strong statement regarding Jesus' divinity. The fact that he was God. Who has the power to heal? God has the power to heal. Wherever Jesus went, there was power to heal. When Jesus lived on earth, he chose to localize power in his present body, in his present location. Of course, we know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere present. 
But Jesus exercised, when he was on earth, Jesus exercised what some scholars call the divine non-use of power. The divine non-use of power. In other words, he chose to limit his powers. If you, you have to look at Philippians 2 and talk about how he became a man, and he chose to limit his power. He chose to limit himself physically to one body, his physical body. Jesus' power was resident in his body while on earth. His power was resident in his body. Then Jesus went back to heaven, and he sent his power to reside in us. His body on earth, the church, the church. Acts 1.8 says, Jesus said to his followers and to us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That power came on his followers, the people who followed Jesus Christ. And we read about that in the book of Acts where they healed people, they perform miracles and signs and wonders. And the, the biggest incredible part of that was many, many people came to faith in Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? It means you, you've got the power. Me? I, I've got that power? Wait a minute. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said his power has been sent to us. When we give our lives totally to God, surrender to Jesus as the leader of our lives, we give him our body, soul, and spirit to, to use for his purposes, and then he will fill us and flow through us with God power. One of, the, one of the most incredible parts of the church is that we just don't acknowledge or realize the power, the true power that we have, because the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. All of us who believe... And we have power to heal and be healed. That we have, God can work through us. And as we pray for people, as we touch them, they too can be healed. Power is present with Jesus. Now, we've all read stories or seen accounts of someone who single-handedly lifted up a car to free a person that was trapped. And what they would say is, I didn't know I had it in me. I didn't know I had it. I mean, there are some pretty remarkable things that have happened, people have done. They didn't know they had the power. Well, some of us say that. I don't know that I have it in me. You do have it in you. God's power for any circumstance. God has put at our disposal in Christ his power. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? That brings us, us to the second PowerPoint. Second PowerPoint. The t number two is the power of personal involvement. The power of personal involvement. This requires us to be engaged in, 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 with, with people. The character in this account is a helpless man suffering from a terrible form of disability. He was a paralytic. He, the disease was called palsy. He was helpless, he was needy, and he was in pain. He was very sick, and he was totally, totally dependent on other people. He had to be carried wherever he went. It's likely that this man had heard about Jesus, about his healings, but there's no way he was going to be able to get to Jesus on his own. It took people who had become personally involved. They lent their power what they could do. They gave whatever they could, what the man could not do. If you've watched some of the images from hurricanes like Hurricane 
Hurricane Katrina and the videos of rescuers carrying wheelchair-bound people down flights of stairs to boats to carry them away from floodwaters. We see people that are engaged in helping, helping people physically. How many people around us have some disability? And, and I'm not talking about the, the obvious, not physical needs like this paralytic. I'm talking about people who are paralyzed by fear. They're paralyzed by abuse. Some having been paralyzed for years by some past childhood loss or trauma or abuse. Paralyzed by addictions, sick with emotional needs or depression, spiritual helplessness, deep, deep spiritual needs. Personal involvement says, I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I will do for you what you cannot do yourself. You know, we tend to think we need to get training in counseling or training in ministry, get a degree in missions or missiology. Training is well. Training is good, but sometimes it just starts with personal involvement. Personal involvement. Personal involvement is simply doing something for a person in need they are unable to do themselves. Personal, the power of personal involvement, exercising faith on behalf of someone else who has no faith. Now these friends, interestingly, these friends did not heal the man. They just transported him to the one who could heal. And we personally don't have the power. We, we don't heal, but only the power of Jesus can do that. But we can be the vehicle, the instrument through which Jesus' healing power flows. It flows. When's the last time you brought someone to the healer, to Jesus? Maybe it was in prayer. Maybe it was in person. The power of personal involvement. Now, the third PowerPoint is the power of persistent faith over obstacles. The power of persistent faith over obstacles. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, in verse 20... Interestingly, it doesn't say when he saw the man's faith. You know, you know you, we've seen a lot of miracles in, in the New Testament where the blind man or the leper or something says that Jesus saw his faith or her faith and healed him. It doesn't, doesn't say he had any faith. It certainly could have included the man's faith, but the faith of the community and the friends, the people who brought him, that's what Jesus is talking about. He saw their, plural, their faith. And this faith was obviously persistent. They, they were not going to be put off. How do we know it's persistent faith? They had a lot of obstacles. It was difficult. What were the obstacles? What were the obstacles for these people to exercise faith by bringing this man to Jesus? First of all, there were people. People. Crowds of people in the house, outside the house, on the streets. And they could have said, you know, there's just too many people around Jesus. We really don't have access to him. Besides, with all these people, Jesus will never have time for me. Jesus won't even notice. Have you ever said that? God has so many people to worry about, so many big problems and other people. These people are worse off than me. The persecuted Christians, the, those in wars, earthquakes, human trafficking. I'm sure God must be too busy. Sometimes we let people as an obstacle to overcome keep us 
from our access to Jesus and his power. What will people think? How will people react? And in this case, what will people think when we start to tear off the roof? <laughs> By the way, I think that this was probably a roof over a courtyard, so it wasn't quite as traumatic as what we would think, you know, taking shingles off and tearing all that stuff off, insulation. No, I, it was probably a little simpler than what we think. But still, they went up on the roof and they started tearing these tiles off. And so our second obstacle is sometimes we have man-made barriers, the roof. The roof. Now, don't worry about it. It's over your head. But, um, sorry. Physical barriers to reaching Jesus. Roofs may not keep us from reaching Jesus, but there are plenty of man-made obstacles that keep people, whether it's ideas or thoughts or philosophies or possessions or pride. A lot of man-made obstacles keep us from Jesus. And then there are circumstances, circumstances be under control. Here it was sickness or paralysis. What circumstances beyond your control have been an obstacle in keeping you from either ministering or experiencing the power, the healing power of Jesus? Sickness or pain, past abuse or history. Someone did something to you and you buried it. Maybe nurtured the pain, allowed a root of bitterness to spring up in your heart. And it keeps you from Jesus' healing and restoration. Unforgiveness, financial disaster, divorce you do not or did not want. A company folds and you just lose your job. Sometimes in, in the greatest time of need, and I've never figured, well, I, I guess I figured this out because I tend to be this way too time of our greatest need, we allow that need or circumstance to isolate us from people, from people, and to keep from coming to Jesus. And tragically, since we all want to appear to have it all together, sometimes we allow the circumstance to isolate us from the body of Christ, the church, whom we should be spending time with and sharing our deepest needs. Sometimes we blame God well, this man didn't blame God. He came to God. So the power of persistent faith. What, what is faith? What is faith? We don't have time to go into an in-depth look at faith. But I just want to read some verses from Hebrews 11. That says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen is not made out of what is visible. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If it can be seen, it requires no faith. If it can be touched, it requires no faith. If it is in within reach, it requires no faith. If it's in our possession, we need no faith. If it is in the present, we need no faith. But if it cannot be seen, cannot be touched, is not yet but is future, then it requires faith. Faith, sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Faith. Faith. Faith is looking to God. And in our circumstances, believing that he is the only one with the answers. He is the only one with the power. The power. 
Faith is what these friends had on behalf of their friend. Typically, we try everything first, and then we try God. These friends were desperate to get their friend to Jesus so he could be healed. Now, imagine the scene. As you can see, Jesus is teaching. Everyone's listening. Then there's this noise overhead, clattering, and tiles start moving. The hole gets bigger and bigger. And they say, Martha, who called the remodelers? What's going on here? Soon the hole is big enough to lower a man on a stretcher. <laughs> they say it's a pretty good-sized hole in the roof. Then, surprise, the man is lowered on a stretcher right in front of Jesus. Right in front of Jesus. And Jesus recognized their faith even though they didn't say a word. Their actions showed their faith. It's the power of persistent faith. The fourth, fourth PowerPoint is the power of God's forgiveness. The power of God's forgiveness. Verse 20 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. First of all, he called him friend. Friend. Here you are, this sick, diseased, emaciated, helpless bag of bones. Jesus calls him friend. But the real bombshell is that he forgave his sins. He forgave his sins. Why, why did Jesus start with that? Well, there was a prevailing opinion that day that if you were sick, it was your fault. It's your fault you're sick. It was something you did. It's a sin you had committed or your family had committed. You deserved what you got. So if you're sick, yeah, it's your fault. So piled on this man suffering from a terrible disease was guilt. What did I do to deserve this? What did I do that was so bad? Guilt. Our paralysis today may be invisible. No one sees but many, many here perhaps wrestle with the same issue. What did I do that was so bad? What did I do to deserve this? It must be my fault. Guilt. Piled on top of our problem is the issue of guilt. And Jesus starts with the guilt problem. With the guilt problem. Jesus always starts with our heart. With our heart. With our moral sickness, our invisible paralysis. Our heart first. And Jesus' first words to this man... And Jesus' first words to us are, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Did you know that there's no other religion on the planet that offers free forgiveness for our sins? Not another one. We're the only one. John three sixteen to 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not, not condemned. Jesus didn't come to condemn the man. He came to forgive him. Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to forgive us. Now, only God can forgive sins. We can forgive each other for wrongs done to us, but only God can truly forgive sins. And, of course, Jesus absolutely freaked out the religious establishment by that statement. 
verses 21 to 25. Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? That's a real strong statement, blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. Fifth PowerPoint, the power of divine healing. The power of divine healing. God's power of healing. It's easy to say your sins are forgiven. Who can prove you wrong? Who can prove you wrong? But the power of physical healing demonstrated to all that Jesus had the power in the universe, all the power in the universe. And this physical healing in the visible realm proved that he had the power in the spiritual realm, and he could also forgive sins because he was and is God. That you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said. And the healing proved in their minds that he was God. In reality, in our minds as well, his forgiveness of our sins proves he is God. Which is the greater miracle? Physical healing, and we want physical healing, or spiritual transformation. This again makes Christianity stand alone and unique. We cannot pay for our wrong deeds or our sins. We do not, cannot earn our right relationship with God. Other religions say, appease your God. Just do all these good things and stack them up and hope that they're good enough to get you to heaven or nirvana or whatever the next eternal state of bliss is. Christianity says God's standards are too high. You can keep stacking your good deeds up. You can never do enough. You cannot appease me. You cannot appease me says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. We have no room for pride, arrogance, pointing fingers at anybody that doesn't know Jesus or anybody that does know Jesus. All have sinned and fall short. We're all short of the glory of God. But Jesus said, I have the answer. Our God says, I will forgive you. I will pay the debt you owe. I will send my son Jesus an exact payment from his flesh. Then with your sins paid for, I will on the basis of that payment, I will then forgive your sins. Your sins are paid for. All you have to do is accept that free gift. We can't, we can't earn it. It's a free gift. Accept that gift and say, I accept that forgiveness. Forgive me. And the power of healing proves the power of forgiveness. Jesus says to you and to me today, no matter your sickness, I forgive you. Take up your stretcher. Give up your support of pain. Accept by faith God's healing. Then go home. Go home to relationship. Go home to healing with Jesus. He says, take up your stretcher. Go home. You're well. You're well. Is there something that you need healing from? today. Forgiveness, guilt. The sixth PowerPoint, sixth PowerPoint, is the power of praise to God. Power of praise to God. Verse 26 says, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. 
amazed, astonished, filled with awe. And what did they do? They gave glory to God. They gave glory to God. Gave God the credit. Everything points back to God. Where are you today? Do you want to experience these PowerPoints? Power present in Jesus. Power of personal involvement. The power of persistent faith. The power of God's forgiveness. Power of divine healing. And the power of praise to God. In this day, we desperately need all of those PowerPoints. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are God and that you care about every detail of our lives. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, today that you would, by your grace and strength, help us to appropriate that forgiveness, that healing, and God, that in a personal way we can look around and say, who in my life needs healing? Who in my life needs Jesus? And help us to understand that the power of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and gives us wisdom, gives us power, gives us strength to bring people to Jesus. And we just thank you that you love us unconditionally. And we give you this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, shall we?